Welcome to True North Nerds. Please keep hand, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Damn right I am. Set your phasers to sexy. To another episode of True North Nerds. This week, uh, it's going to be kind of a like a little bit of a relaxed fit episode. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of fan expo, a little bit of clowning, a little bit of She-Hulk, probably a little bit of Sandman. But first, uh, we have Jen. Hi. And we have Ryan. Hello. And returning from his into a clowny is that the proper term from i'm sorry from which from a clown academy yes the american well it is the organization formerly known as the american clown academy now known as the academy of clown arts they were trying to be nice to non-americans okay (laughs) anyways as you could tell kevin's back i am hello All right, before we get into everything else, um, just wanted to send a little bit of a shout out. I don't know if he listens that much, but a friend of the show and uh, guest on episode 100, I believe, a friend waiting. Uh, He and his wife welcomed a baby boy into the world a little bit earlier this month. So uh, congratulations, Way, and uh, from all of us here at True North Congratulations. Congratulations. And on that note, we go into the news, Ryan. Hello. Um, it's kind of a light week this week for news. But there's always something to talk about. So let's jump in here and see what we can find. Uh, oh, Kevin, did you hear about Star Trek 4? It's looking for a new director. Well, um, that's fine. I'm not... I don't know what's going on with those the Star Trek movie. I'm sure we'll find out soon. Yeah. So director Matt Shackman has left it, and it sounds like he will be the director of Fantastic Four. Yes. Okay, that. that's understandable, I guess. This is what, the fifth Fantastic Four movie? Mm. It's the first MCU Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, it's... You could say it's the, uh, yeah, the first MCU, the fifth overall, if you count the Roger Corman. And why wouldn't you? <laughs> well, because it never got a theatrical run. Still a movie. <laughs> well, is it? Is it? <laughs> anyway, yes. So, yep. That's so that's what he did. Um. Uh, So with all the changes going on over at Warner Brothers Discovery, it sounds like that uh, Batman animated series we were all getting hyped up for will not be on HBO Max. 
Uh, but it's not dead yet. It is being shopped around, and there has been interest from multiple streamers. So, here's hoping it shows up somewhere. My guess it'll end up either on Amazon or Netflix. I could see Apple doing if it. If at all. Well, if, if they've been working on it, and it's as good as they say it is, I mean... There's a market for for a sequel to the Batman the animated series. I thought that's what yeah, Batman I, Beyond was. Well, and Superman and Justice League, for that matter. True. True, but you know, spiritual successor is what I've heard them call it. Uh, another show that I enjoyed, and I know Kevin did too, uh, Young Justice. Uh, Love so it. right now. There's been there's no talk of a fifth season yet, but co-creator Greg Wiseman is encouraging fans of the show to rally together uh, to show their love and to save the show. Aww. So, the way things are going over at WB Discovery, um, yeah, this wasn't that they hadn't paid. You know, there's no nothing on the books for a new, a new season, so they may never. We may not get one. And it looked like they were setting up some really cool stuff with, you know, Dark Side and uh, the, the, the Legion, the, the Legion, and everything. So, uh, who knows? We can only hope. Um, trailers. Did anybody else watch the new Pinocchio trailer? I saw part of it in the yeah. Disney Plus Day um, promo. Looks cute. This we finally get a look at, at Pinocchio. And he looks like Pinocchio. He looks exactly like <laughs> Pinocchio from the old movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also one of those movies that it's been you know you don't hear a lot about it though. It's like it's totally going under the radar. I keep yeah, forgetting it's, it's going happening. Straight to Disney Plus. Well, it's a Disney Plus movie. Yeah. Is it? See, I wasn't sure if it was going straight to Disney Plus or not. I assumed it was, but even then. But it does star um, Tom Hanks. Yeah. It does? Yeah, he's, he's playing Geppetto. Geppetto. Oh, cool. I'll probably watch it when it comes on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Disney Plus Day is just around the corner, so... I may have it to take is. some time this weekend to catch up on some movies, because I still haven't seen Turning Red. Oh, yeah, I, I, like I haven't watched that Red. yet, either. Well, when the Brent's at work, the Jen will watch movies. There you go. <laughs> uh, fans of Halloween... The next uh, uh, piece in the film in that franchise, Halloween Ends, will be getting a same-day streaming and theatrical release. <laughs> Is the one after that going to be Halloween Ends, JK? <laughs> yep. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. That, you know, I think I believe the last one did, too. Um, and that's why I was able to watch it, because there was some streaming. Yeah, but we were also, like, coming into the, like, in the tail pandemic, end. Of... But, yeah. Yeah. Um, the animated Harley Quinn series has been renewed for a fourth season. And yeah, we really got to watch that, Brent. We I watched hear a couple great. episodes, and it was good. Yeah, <laughs> I watched a few episodes this week of, from season three, and they were they were rather enjoyable. What's it on? Uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's on the. Well, Brave, I'm, I think I was watching them through the uh. global TV online thing, but I think it's on Crave. Um, yeah. So we just come over here and watch a few episodes. Yep. 
Um, so Disney is also now talking of, of, of the thinking, so they'll probably do it because why wouldn't they? Of making exclusive products available to Disney Plus subscribers. So you'd have Ooh. to be a, a Disney Plus subscriber to be able to buy stuff. I like buying stuff. Mm-hmm. And Disney likes to sell stuff. So I can see them doing this. Yeah. I like buying Disney stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if only they had a store. Oh, wait, they closed them all. They did, and it went away. I wish that all their stuff, was, all their cool stuff wasn't exclusive to the park. Mm, yeah. But we have a park mule, so that's okay. <laughs> that's you, Kevin. Yeah, I haven't gone to the park in, in two and a half years, and I don't plan to go back for another two and a half. And, um, yeah, in my last little bit of news here is that um, some more Warner Brothers Discovery news. Uh, <laughs> they have come out and said that they uh, will not be holding a DC fandom this year. Huh. But that they are excited to get back okay. out on the road to and go to regular cons. Instead, they're going to have a DC Terror Dome. <laughs> no. Fans away go in, but they don't come out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it sounds like their uh, DC will uh, at least start having a, a presence at, at actual conventions again. Mm-hmm. Anybody else find anything or hear anything or see anything? Did you guys see the trailer I, for the uh, Weird Al movie? things. The Weird Al movie does look funny. Yes, and it's on. I can't. Apple? I can't wait to see. No, it's, it's Roku. Ro, it's a Roku. Roku. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I'll see it. I don't have a Roku. Yeah. We'll find, uh, we'll find a method. Show up awesome. Places. I don't think Roku's not Canadian though. Like, you, can you not get Roku if you're in Canada? Well, it's a device. Can I get Roku channel yeah, on my Apple a... TV? I have no idea. I'm not sure. Movie night at Kevin's. <laughs> so I, I've got a couple pieces of news. Mm-hmm. Um, horror based. So uh, I didn't realize this was a thing, but apparently they're working on much like Halloween, two new Exorcist sequels, skipping all the other movies that they've done in the past. The Exorcisters. Um, And as part of that, this is kind of like one of those like actor kind of does good stories, too. So Ellen Bernstein, who played the mother in the original film, uh, she's never done any of the, the the crappy sequels to The Exorcist over the years. They like called her up and they want her to be a part of it. And she said no. And then they called up, like, they doubled their offer. And apparently she was like, oh, uh, that's a lot of money. So she then called them up with, like, basically, like, a caveat of, like, she's getting the money that she wants. But the uh, production is also, like, putting money towards a scholarship program at, like, a university she goes to or, like, teaches at, at Pace University. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, she's like, she's like, well, if they're going to pull up the dump truck, I'm going to do something good with it. So, yeah, she's going to be in the sequel to The Exorcist. It's, um, 
it's a Blumhouse movie who are also the same guys who have been doing the Halloween movies. So like production wise, amongst other horror stuff. So I saw that. And it was kind of interesting. And the other thing that popped up in my feed is uh, I saw images of the new pinhead for uh, the new Hellraiser movie or show that they're doing for. Uh, I want to say it's for Hulu. It's for a streaming service that much. I know. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be streaming on Hulu. So weirdly, we will get a Hellraiser movie on Disney Plus. Nice. But the nice. um the Hell Priest, because Pinhead is a nickname. If you've ever read any of the books or anything, you know that. Um the Hell Priest is being played by a trans woman. So it's that. gonna have a slightly that. different look to them. Yeah. And which is cool because uh Clive Barker, Clive Barker's written work, like, is always had, like, uh, defies at, at the t- time that they were coming out, like, sexual norms, I guess, for the most part. So it, it's kind of cool to see it that's going to show up on screen. The uh, the first Hellraiser is a great film. Uh, the no. second Hellraiser is an okay film. And then after that, they go into, like, really shitty territory. <laughs> The third one. The first stars Hellraiser the is one played. of a. Re- the first Hellraiser is one of the reasons I do not like horror movies. Oh. Which I guess means it was good, but. Ugh. The uh, the the third one stars uh, what's her name? Um, she played Dax in uh, Deep Space Nine. Terry Farrell, or the yeah. other one before before Deep Space Nine. The original Dax or the the other Dax. The original. The first Dax on DS9 was Terry Farrell. Yeah, her. Okay. She was in Hellraiser 3. Yes. The this, one where I, one of the I, Cenobites is a, like throws CDs. I think I did It's an know awful that. movie. <laughs> All right. So um, why don't we start off with like a little bit of an update from Kevin. Hmm. Uh, Kevin, uh, you went to clown college. I did. Uh, it, like. And you had lots of fun by the looks of it. I like you could say he was clowning around. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciated your joke, Ryan. Ryan should have gone to clown college and he'd be funnier. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like to know about my week at the American Clown Academy? Well, what what did you learn? Like what goes into like learning about being a clown? Like in brief. So there were different tracks of programming classes for different um, different people, uh, different types of clowning. So I was in a class called Hometown Clowning, where I was learning about how to put a show together, how to market myself, and how to, you know, how to to be funny locally. Um, there were people who were there to learn about Christian clowning and hospital clowning and circus clowning. Uh, but the most interesting thing this year were the eccentric clowns. Eccentric clowning is a sort of more theatrical, um, far out there kind of a thing. And uh, word got out to the to the uh, clown the clowns on social media who were not at the at the camp that we had we had scary haunt clowns at camp this year which is true to an extent uh and 
the, it was it was just a really great time. I met a lot of really great people who've done a lot of really great things. And uh, I learned a lot, and I wish I could go back next year. But the date conflicts with something I'm already um, booked on, so I can't go can't, next year. It's Christian clowning? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, I have met more people who got into clowning through their churches than uh, than you would believe, and um, uh, and when yet yeah, when I tell people who aren't in the clown community uh, about Christian clowning, they're like, "What?" But you know, we're talking about um, Southern evangelicals, like these giant churches that you know do lots of outreach to kids. Uh, Christian clowning is uh, is a pretty huge deal. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. And you got into an honest-to-goodness pie fight. <laughs> yes. Oh, the pie fight was the highlight of the week. Um, the, I, the number one rule of a pie fight is you don't throw the pie until the person who's receiving the pie is ready. The person who's getting hit is the one who's in control. Um, we actually had somebody ejected from the pie fight for not following the rules. Hmm. Um, the pies are made of shaving cream, not actual foodstuffs, because if you used like a can of Ready Whip or Dream Whip, that's oil-based and it would stain your clothes. If you used actual whipped cream, you know, who knows how long those pies are going to sit out before they get thrown. So your cream will hmm. either curdle and go sour or it won't hold its stiffness. So uh, you use shaving cream because it will it will foam up nice and it will hold its shape and uh, it won't stain your clothes. So it was really fun. So we, we learned that and how to do a spit take all in the same at the same class. Um, there was a late night show one night uh, where the eccentric clowns and the and the more scary adult type clowns performed for us, which was really interesting. It was really fun. Um, do you know what a blockhead routine is, Brent? Is it the uh, the peanuts uh, taking away the football? No, no. Then no. Uh, it's called a blockhead. Oh, no, I don't. Because, uh, you know, it would be. It's people who stick large, sharp things up their noses. You know, ah. seen people who oh. put the giant spikes up their Ooh. nose. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So that was part of the show. There was um, there was a guy who did a, a card trick. And in order to reveal the card, he had to stick his hand in a bear trap. Uh, there was uh, some burlesque uh, dancers. Um, there was a, a woman who took her clothes off to the song on top of spaghetti. Um, <laughs> but my favorite was a guy who calls himself Toy Box. And if you go on YouTube and look, go look at Toy Box Theater, you can see what he does. And you can tell he's inspired by Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, he's got that kind of aesthetic, but darker. And I know Pee Wee could be pretty dark, but uh, Toy Box... Toybox calls themselves America. He calls himself America's most beloved televised witch clown, and he's uh, he's a little bit strange, but he does funny, funny stuff with puppets and with uh, cutouts and storytelling. I thought he was brilliant, and I even bought his T-shirt. I'm wearing it right now. 
Uh, And the week ended with a big show. We all got to perform on stage. If you had an act, you could bring it and have it critiqued and tweaked and worked on by the professionals who were there. And the professionals came from all kinds of walks of of life of clowning. A lot of former Ringling Brothers clowns were there. There were at least four former Ringling clowns there. Uh, The guest of honor was a man named David Shiner, whom you may not have heard of. But he and his partner, Bill Irwin, who you might have heard of, he was on Star Trek Discovery last year. He was the the um, the the Kelp, Kelpian that Saru found, the who'd been trapped there for hundreds of years. Oh, okay. That yep. was Bill Irwin. So he was the, David Shiner's partner, and they did a two-man clown show on Broadway that won a bunch of awards. David Shiner also created the Cirque du Soleil show Kuza. And he originated the role of the cat in the hat on Broadway in the musical Susical. So he's got a lot of a lot of things going for him. And he taught the master class this year. And uh, uh, I didn't actually work with him, but I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't because he seemed pretty awesome. So, yeah, lots to lots to learn. And it was lots of fun. And it was at a beautiful 4-H camp. We ate camp food. You know, it was the food wasn't the greatest, but uh, it was just, it was just fun to be around people who share your passion, you know. You got a new face too, didn't you? Yeah, I went to a makeup lab, uh, and um, first I did my old face, and then he tweaked that, and he's like, "You're wearing too much makeup. People don't wear that much makeup anymore." So, uh, so he designed a new light, lighter face for me that doesn't uh, doesn't require quite as much makeup. I'll still wear the old one. When I'm doing like parades and stuff, where people will have to see me from a distance, but up close, I probably wear this new one, which is, which I can. It was funny. I was I one of my roommates in my cabin was from Puerto Rico, and uh, there's a a huge tradition of Latin American clowns, and they go way over the top, and like they're very precise with their makeup. I showed up with my makeup on for the big show. He'd obviously already been in, at the bathroom mirror for at least a half hour. I put my makeup on in like 10 minutes and then he was still another half an hour after that before he was finished because that's how wow. precise wow. and and how much makeup he put on. And I was like, yep, I'll just put on this little happy smile and a little white here and a little black here and a little red on my cheeks and boom, I'm done. And uh, yeah, and he was very, very meticulous. And yeah, he was um, he was one of these clowns for Jesus. He he he's a he was a phys ed teacher in San Juan. Uh, but, uh, he, he, um, he's a part of this church and they go out and do street missions and he juggles while they spread the good news. Nice guy, Roberto. And there were also over 30 Santas at the convention, at the camp this year too. Um, the Santas were interesting. It seemed like they traveled in packs. You never saw one Santa by himself. It was always like... (laughs) five santas in a group i asked my friend mike what you call a, a pack of santas like what the collective noun for a, for mm. a group of santas was and we decided it was a jingle a mm. jingle of santas <laughs> so yeah that was fun yep. so i like that mm. jingle of santas <laughs> a jingle of santas <laughs> cool yeah it was great it i just was... thought it might What's that? I just thought it might be nice for I just thought it might be nice for our listeners to kind of know what goes into being a clown. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff, and I'm excited. I've got another gig coming up soon. Somebody else is hiring me, so woo, nice. It's exciting. So, all right. 
From there, we'll move on to what uh, Brent and Ryan kind of did a little bit and Fan Expo. Woohoo! Uh, Fan Expo! Ryan, Ryan and I attended the Friday. Yes. And I hosted a panel on the Friday. And I went on Saturday, and it was a lot of people on Saturday. Hmm. A lot of people. So, <laughs> so most of compare, my stories are going to revolve around Friday. Would you compare Saturday to past Saturdays? Because you're usually there on Saturday mm-hmm. anyway, but you kind of just stick to your corner of the of the world there. But would yeah. you say it's as busy? Would was as busy as in the past? I think so, but I think the the process of how they do things at Fan Expo has been streamlined to the point where um so the 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 main thing that we if you ever go on a Saturday it's the crossing from the south building into the north building mm. is sometimes a chore. Yeah. Um there was still starts and stops, but they were there was more of them, but for less periods of time. So like going up to the, like to start taking the escalators up to the, to get to the rainbow bridge, uh, they would stop it every once in a while, let some people go and let some people come down and then they'd start it up again. And then at the bridge, they'd stop people from crossing both ways, like, or the way there, let people come out and then they'd let you go. So it, it, seemed like access between the buildings was easier on Saturday than past Saturdays. But I would say like people wise, it was definitely as busy as I've ever seen it on a Saturday. Mm. Yeah. Cause I was just, I was, I, I figured as much from the complaining I saw about Saturday, you know, people love to complain about, you know, what, what everything you just said about how, well, how come they're stopping the escalators? How come they're stopping us from going here? How come they're stopping us from going there? And it's a, you know, really it comes down to being a people flow issue. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can only let so many people in the building. Yes, they oversell the tickets, but that's because they don't expect every person to show up first thing in the morning and stay till close. Yeah. So they oversell. Yeah. So, they, yes, yes, you could get stuck waiting outside. But yes, you could get stuck waiting between buildings. But then, because there's also capacity issues there, I'm sure they can only allow. It'd be interesting to find out what the capacity for the Rainbow Bridge is, because that could that could yeah. easily be an issue. That you know, maybe it's only well, you know, a weight or a numbers capacity, and that's why they hold up and stop people from going back and forth sometimes, just to kind of ease off the crowd on the bridge itself. I suppose. Especially, like, if you think about it from, like, a logistical standpoint, that bridge is when you're, in, like, say you're in the middle of it, there, there's only two exits. It's the one in front of you or the one behind you. Yeah. Like, there's no fire exit off of that because, you know, below you is the train yard. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there's, there's like, a lot of fire restrictions and stuff like that that they have to kind of, like, take into consideration. Yeah. And I think, like... Like it's one of those things is like I I while I was at work today, a customer told me that they like they ended up waiting like hour or two hours to to get in. Now they didn't say whether they had pre-bought their tickets or not. That's the one thing mm-hmm. I, I had forgot to ask them. But um from my Friday experience, I the interesting thing for us was so uh, Ryan and his brother had bought their tickets. Hi, Drew. 
um, ahead of time. <laughs> I had was them getting shipped to us. My, my ticket was already taken care of. Yeah. My ticket was already waiting for me at the will call booth. And uh, I believe our friend Nathan, he bought one there, right? Yes. Which, yeah. So, he, so he went to one ticket booth you've and got, then got directed to another because of his cane. But at the same time, so we, if you look at it that way, it was three different methods of entry. All three groups of us, you, your brother, myself, and Nathan, we basically all hit the at the same time. Basically, oh, yeah. I think it's pretty good. Well, so Drew and I, like, we all took the train down, got down after doors, the doors had already opened. It was just, like, a little after 10. And so for Drew and I, we got to the entrance of the south building by the aquarium and just walked in. They checked our bags, they scanned our, t- our pass, and we were in the building and heading downstairs. No wait, no fuss, no muss. Um, I had a poster tube. She asked me, what's this? I said, it's a poster tube. I popped it. It's empty. She said, oh, okay, cool. I put the tube back, you know, the lid back on the tube, and we walked away. There was also, there was the prop, you know, the prop check if you had a costume, which would have added to, you know, another step to the process, but, well, we weren't in costume, so that didn't apply to us. And then, yeah, then we, we we texted with you and you met us downstairs. Yeah, because I was a little surprised that you had already gotten in, like the, mm-hmm. that it was that quick and easy. So like I said, I think I think at this point it kind of worked out a lot of that there's people who went who had like issues and stuff. But uh, from my point of view, it was, it was a pretty easy process. Like even even this year, um, my, my running joke with uh, the guy who books to, to host panels is that I, my pass is under a different category and this year it was like it was exactly where it should be like <laughs> I asked once and they're like here you go <laughs> and like I didn't have to text Kevin and say like oh, uh, am I uh, am I under creator like what do, what do you have to be under um, I, I remember the one was, year uh, it, I, had I to think walk- that's Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I just remember the one year I I walked over to him because uh, he was at a table near the entrance, and as he saw me coming up, oh, there's Ryan, and he's like, "And you're gonna ask me where Brent's ticket is?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and then he had to send one of his helpers over to go and to help take care of your ticket. Yeah, he's a good so, dude. Like, a, a, like, a, and like, quite honestly. I don't think these mix-ups are Kevin's fault at all. Oh, I no. think he, put, he tells them to put them one place and somebody ends up putting them somewhere else. So what did but, you guys uh, buy? I got to... What did you buy? What did you spend your hard-earned money on? Um, uh, I have less stuff than Ryan. Yeah, you go first then. Uh, I bought a G.I. Joe Classifieds barbecue figure. Um, he is a target exclusive in the States and kind of hard to come by. And I found him for basically retail price, which was, which was astonishing, especially at the show. So I picked up that and I picked up a, uh, Bret Hart action figure that I hadn't found yet. Cool. And if you think about it, the barbecue, since it's the target exclusive would have been a Toys R Us exclusive up here. 
and the Toys R Us exclusive prices that we paid for those Cobra Island ones, you paid less than retail yeah. for it. Yeah, probably because I didn't pay like I, it was forty five bucks even, no tax or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and Ryan, what did you buy? Uh, well, I also bought a Brett the Hitman Heart action figure because they finally made one where he doesn't look derpy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also picked up some Star Wars Black Series figures that I needed. I got uh, Fennec Shan to go with my uh, my Boba Fett, and I got Echo to complete my Bad Batch, and. I bought a lightsaber. Ooh. <laughs> I, uh, I picked up, I, it's one of the, uh, I think I've mentioned them on here before because I started following them on social media during the pandemic. Um, it's a Canadian company that sells custom lightsabers. Um, previously when I purchased one and, and pretty much previously the only place you could purchase them was through the U S right. Um, and then these guys, so they're CR sabers. They're out of BC. Mm-hmm. And I had seen they had um, I think they had shown up. They went to I think Van Vancouver Fan Expo last year, which made me then jealous because I'm like oh, I wish they would come to Fan Expo Toronto. And then like two weeks ago they posted they will be at Fan Expo Toronto, and I was like ooh, this isn't good for my pocketbook. <laughs> and uh, so the second pretty much the second booth we looked for. Uh, on purpose was was their booth and when we found them of course you know they've got the sample ones out that they're showing off and they're all like they're combat ready so you can whack them against each other and they won't you know it's not gonna damage them you can smack them hard (laughs) yeah like the 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 guys who were doing the demo were like they were pretty good and, of course, they're smart, and as soon as you walk up and say hello to them, they're like, here, hold this, and they put one in your hand, which then makes it really hard not <laughs> to want to buy one. They were a decent price? They're not, not as expensive as the ones you buy at Walt Disney World? Oh, no, they're just as expensive, if not more, than the ones you buy at Disney World. Oh. Yeah, no, these, um, the, the lowest rate, I think the lowest ones were maybe 175 and then it goes up from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, depending the, on the hilt. Yeah, exactly. It all depends on the design. And then uh, if you go online or their website, there's other options like the blade options and stuff like this. But the ones that they had were all the uh, the LED styled ones. So the light is in the hilt, and it's just got a tube for a blade. No lights in the blade. Um, and then uh, the the all of theirs were custom ones they didn't have uh, that i noticed any replicas mm-hmm. now there were some that would have may have had pieces from them like we could be like oh well, this is the kind of thing that's on like a darth vader but it doesn't look like the darth vader one there were other people selling lightsabers that had like replica lightsabers that weren't officially licensed ones but that, it's like yeah that's a vader lightsaber that's a mace windu lightsaber that's a luke lightsaber cool but uh, yeah, no, they were they were really good guys. Uh, Chris, is that his name? Brent, you have you Think have the Chris. So? Yeah, talk to us. We probably chatted with them just talking about life and business and their their stuff for probably a good twenty minutes. Um, before I decided, before I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna buy one. <laughs> um, they were nice enough to give us actually the ten dollars off too. So 
Uh, they're a pretty good crew. I would recommend them. I've been having fun with mine. Uh, it comes pre-built with, uh, oh shit, like at least six different sounds, like sound fonts of different style lightsabers. Um, it's got all the colors built into it. You can, uh, it's got different modes of adjusting things. Like you hold the button down so many you know seconds or flashes, and then it's like it activates a different thing. Uh, you can actually turn it off and on with just flicking, you know, holding it and flicking it on, like flicking your wrist mm-hmm. instead of pressing the button. So it's got like motion controls, and it's it's pretty cool. Sounds it. Mm-hmm. I thought about yeah. going to Fan Expo on Sunday, but the lineup of people that was there was there didn't really appeal to me that much, and there wasn't a lot of panels that I wanted to go to, so I decided to save my money and stay home. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't, believe I don't like people. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to a single panel. I didn't go see any celebrities. I did go and get some comics signed by Michael Cho, um, because I had some co- some cool covers that he had put out, and he was telling me about them. I guess he didn't design them as covers. Mm-hmm. He designed them first for I guess for the merch department to mm. use on other stuff, and then. I guess it kind of just worked. It just, I guess the people in publishing saw the designs, and he had been—I guess they had been wanting him to do some covers at one point, or you know, was to do some covers for him. And they just said, "Hey, can we use these designs, you know, for covers?" And then so it's kind of like, "Yeah, you know, here, write another check, and yes, you can." <laughs> so it's like these designs that were meant for one thing end up getting used on a whole bunch of different things, and uh, ended up coming out as a series of covers. Cool. Because he's like, oh, I see. They they weren't, you know. I guess they, in his eye, I wouldn't have. I never noticed. But I guess some of them don't. He he says don't quite fit, or they, they fit awkwardly on the on the cover. It's because they weren't ever designed to be on the cover. They were designed for other purposes. And but yeah, I got that, and I bought a print off of him, and I bought a print off of the artist that I bought some other prints off of in the past. Whose name I never can get, but he always has a big end cap. Print off of uh, Michael Cho. Yep. Oh, I didn't see that. What what print did you get? We have some Uh, of his stuff, don't we? Yep, it's the uh, the X Men and uh, Mister Miracle that we have downstairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a cool Spider Man one. I'll uh, I'll probably I, I unfolded it. It's sitting on in my office. The only, the only, <laughs> the only thing uh, about it is, of course, it's not like you know, it's a well, just like uh, it's a different size. It's not eleven by seventeen. So I'll have to find a special. I'll have to measure it and find a special frame for it. And just like the uh, the Samurai Jack print is the other print I got. I have to get, find oh, a, cool. It's uh, it's got like a big big Aku with the little Jack. It's the same oh, no. guy that did the uh, the Star Wars print that I have in the living room, with the attic. Oh, okay, yeah, but yeah. not the same size. I didn't buy that big of a print. Um, it's a smaller <laughs> size one, just like the. Uh, it looks it's a smaller print, but it's bigger because I know the other ones that I've got from them from the past. I've got also have a Jurassic Park one and another Star Wars one, and they fit into a, you know standard frames, but this one won't. So, oh well. Art problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got the host 
here. Um, the the comics team has expanded a little bit, and there's more people who kind of know what they're doing. <laughs> not not that not to sound like like it was just like the in other years it was like me and like one other guy doing the hosting except for dc who tended to bring in like their own guy so but this year there's uh there was plenty of uh stuff to go around so i uh hosted a panel with sean gordon murphy who does the uh Best known right now is he does uh, Batman the White Knight and the various spinoffs off of that book. Ooh. And a uh, very nice guy. Um, interesting conversation with him. Uh, the the three things that I took out of it were the the, the first miniseries he did, he was going to end it by killing Bruce off, <laughs> which one of the editors said... Uh, you you might want to do a sequel to this, so you might not want to kill Batman yet. <laughs> and uh, the 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 other thing uh, that was kind of interesting is he and I talked a little bit about um, DC's black label stuff, which uh, most of it gets printed in like a big magazine format. And originally they were looking at White Knight being printed in the same format, and he kind of balked at that because as I think, how did he put it? The the artist in me was really interested because of the it's a new format, a different size, and what can I do with this? But the capitalist in me thought it wouldn't sell as well unless it was in a regular comic book format. So he pushed for regular comic size. The uh, the last thing that I was a little surprised at, um, apparently he has the rights to Zorro, and that's what his next like kind of creator owned book is going to be like through Kickstarter or something like that is going to be a modern update of Zorro kind of with a little bit of Don Quixote be thrown in for a good measure. Cool. Sounded pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that like, I'm now going to have to keep an eye out for it. Cause uh, he doesn't have like a huge social media presence. Like I don't think he has Twitter or anything or isn't active on it. But that's a that's a book that like I, I'll throw money at a Kickstarter to see because his art's really cool and how he was explaining the story was really cool. And he also gave away that the the next White Knight series might introduce the uh, the White Knight version of the Justice League, which was also also pretty cool. So apparently he he uh, mentioned that DC tends to get nervous when he does panels because he has little filter when it comes to. <laughs> what's coming out? What's being done? So he tends to talk about stuff way before it's at the uh, okay stage, I guess. But mm-hmm. it was really cool. <laughs> and the, uh, on Saturday, I got to do something that I've been meaning to do at Fan Expo for probably like six or seven Fan Expos every year, or almost every year. Troma Entertainment has a booth at Fan Expo. Uh, they are the makers of uh, Return to Nukem High, uh, Poultry Geist, Tromeo and Juliet, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, and the Toxic Avenger, probably being the best known of their properties. Uh, the guy who is the head of Troma, Lloyd Kaufman, wrote a book a number of years ago called everything I needed to know about filmmaking, I learned from the toxic adventure. And it's honestly 
one of my favorite books about filmmaking and it like because it's part that and also part biography and it's very sweet and humble it's it's a great book and i went by their booth i i don't think i don't know if i've got a vhs copy of toxic avenger i used to but i hadn't upgraded and I went by the booth on Sunday. I'd gone by it with Drew and Ryan the the week before or the day before. On the Saturday, I went by it and like, I should upgrade to a Blu-ray of that movie. And then I looked over and Lloyd Kaufman was there doing free photographs and free signing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it this year because he's there every year and I've never done it. And not to sound morbid, every time I've wanted to do something like that, where the or the last time I wanted to do something like that, and I'm like, eh, eh, there'll be another chance. Was with Stan Lee, and there was never another opportunity. So, be signed. Uh, I knew ha- I have the new nickname of Boisterous Brent, according to the the sign uh, signing on my Blu-ray, and I got a photo with him, and he was a, a very sweet and humble guy. It was nice. it was very nice to see. Same same guy who uh, has a movie where a guy's head gets like ran over by a car and goes smush. <laughs> one of the stories I love in the book is um, in the so in the movie in the original Toxic Avenger, there's a part where a guy's head gets crushed, and what they did is like they made like a mask or a general head mold like out of a paper mache and filled it with like hamburger meat. So when it like when the car went over it, it just goes all splat on the on the ground and everything. And there's another scene where a guy uh, kicks a dog. He doesn't actually kick the dog, but it shows like it's like that scene out of like Anchorman where like it, it shows the guy going running up to kick the dog, and then it's like a fake dog flying through the air like fifty feet. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he talks about more people complained about the dog getting kicked, which you never actually see, than some guy's head getting smushed under a car tire. Mm-hmm. It goes to show people are fine with people on people violence, but don't you dare touch the dog. Well, I mean, the people probably deserved it. Yep. Dogs rarely do. They'll get a John Wick situation. <laughs> Can't watch the beginning of that movie. Uh, all right just to sort of start wrapping things up a little bit uh so jen and i are behind but how's everybody digging she hulk right now i'm I'm, enjoying it i love it i love that we have finally have second episode made it better i i love that we have a real mcu sitcom now yeah this was (laughs) lighthearted Um, Jen Jen figured out the casting of She-Hulk's dad way before I did. Oh, it's it's Larry. cousin Larry. Mm-hmm. It's cousin Larry. Apparently, I watched a lot more Perfect Strangers than Brent did. <laughs> and uh, I think She-Hulk has the best post-credit scenes of any MCU show. Today's was pretty good. <laughs> Today's was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I will okay. kill for you. Yeah. <laughs> don't spoil it we haven't seen it yet i didn't spoil it he did not spoil it um i'm interested to see if uh because this this show is really para- going in parallel with the um the dan slot run 
of She-Hulk comics. And I know who I, I know more about the law firm in the comics than they've hinted at on the TV show. And I'm wondering if that's where we're going with this. I'm mm-hmm. holding my breath uh, to see if 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 the law firm is not quite maybe exactly what it appears to be. Interesting. Have you have none of you read that run? No. No. Nope. Uh, I've read bits and pieces of it. Like I, I've I've been sorely tempted by the omnibus because I think Jen would really like it actually. She Hulk made an appearance in Squirrel Girl and that's all I've seen her in. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the She Hulk, the Dan Slot run of She Hulk, I think it was around two thousand four that came out is um, is pretty is is pretty much what this TV show is based on. Um, what did you think, without spoilers, Kevin, of uh, the other introductions we got, of the uh, some more MCU char- uh, some more Marvel characters made their MCU debut? Oh yeah! Um, as soon I, as they showed up and started, I was like, "No!" Yeah, that's what I said too. I'm like, "It's not, is it?" <laughs> she handled them pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, uh, I want to know who who put them up to it. Yeah, somebody is testing her her metal, and I don't think we've seen the last of Titania yet either. I'm, I'm sure she's got to come back. Well, well yeah, uh, given who the actors, uh, uh, yeah, she she's got to have a bigger part. So, yeah, I'm I'm loving She Hulk. I love that it's just cool. It's fun. I love the way she talks to the camera. This isn't just a cameo of the week show. This is my show. Remember that. Remember whose show it is. <laughs> Remember whose show this is. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm still finding the 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 She-Hulk animation a little jarring, but I'm still thinking I'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. She doesn't have any hair or wrinkles or anything. She's too smooth. Stop looking that closely at her body. Jeez. It's just casual observations. It's not like I'm scrutinizing, but I was trying to pinpoint the whole time why it was so off for me. And I think that's what it is. She's got no wrinkles or spots or hair. Uh, Anyway, I'll get over it. I'm still enjoying the show in spite of that. (laughs) Alrighty. And uh, Jen and I aren't quite finished Sandman yet, but man, has it been good. It's so good. Uh I savored it. I never watched more than one episode a day. Um, See, that's why we're taking so long to watch it because we're savoring it too. I'm like, I, I, I need yeah, to take we're, my we're time. Doing like, this one. Yeah, we're doing like two at a time when we get to watch it. Episode, I think it was episode four was the episode in the diner. And having read the comics and knowing uh-huh. what was coming, I sort of watched that through my fingers because I'm not a, a a huge horror gore kind of person, but I knew no, what was coming. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, yes, oh, no. They got my favorite part of the comic, which is uh, when he meets his friend every hundred years. Uh, I wasn't was sure if they episode. were going to put that into the show. And I'm so glad they did. And they did it so well. And yeah. that's my favorite little story in the comics is is him visiting his buddy every hundred years. And then I was like, oh, he missed it because he was imprisoned and it was sad. But then he came back and I was happy. <laughs> it's And you apparently know, we are getting like the Shakespeare stuff, too. Like if, if it keeps on going, Neil's already figured out how he wants to do that. Right. Mm. 
I was looking. They just they just put the whole series on DC Comics Infinite, so I was looking at it and how it was like the. It ran 75 issues, that comic, right? And uh, it ran in, like, these story arcs with one-shots in between. So I wonder if maybe that's how they'll do a season. Like This first season was really the first two story arcs, right? There was yeah. the escape of Dream, and then the Doll's House uh, was the next storyline, which is the Rose story. Um, yep. So I'm wondering if that's how it'll play out. They'll do, like two of these four issue arcs and then put, put, uh, put the one shot stories in between. Cause the one shot stories, some of them are the, are the most memorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of depends too, because like, um, I would, I looked at like, I just looked at the physical trades the other day mm-hmm. and later on those storylines do get longer. Yeah, like the the last two or three are like almost double the size of some of the other trades. Right. Um, I'm 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 really looking forward to like because Sandman is a comic book series that has a little bit of like every genre into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like realistically thinking like uh Seasons of Mist, which is possibly my favorite out of all. Well, I shouldn't say possibly. It is It is my favorite. It's the one that I've been slowly tracking down the various, because it's also the one that has, like, multiple artists worked on. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to get everybody who worked on that book to sign it. Oh, cool. And, and I've got a few. I, I like in, I think, I, I think that's the one I got Neil to sign. Um, I got him to sign that in, like, the first one. So I have him... I think I got Dave McKean. I have Jill Thompson on it. I have Matt Wagner because Matt Wagner worked on it. And uh, Colleen Duran, I think, worked on mm-hmm. it too. And I got her to sign it. I think she might have even sketched in it. Um, yeah, it's... Well, I know you guys it, haven't got... It's lived up to all my expectations. I know you guys haven't got to the end yet, but they it, it has been set up for more after this initial 11 episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we haven't seen all of the endless yet. Yeah. Nope. They all get mentioned by the end of the series. Yeah. I I have like in my head casting that I want for destruction, but I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. So, and he's still like three books, four books away before we see Uh, him. But the casting on this show has been just impeccable. The Corinthian. Holy crap. He's so well cast. Well, him, Lucifer. Like, (gasps) yes. Lucien. Lucien, I I, I love Lucien. I love (laughs) the gender swap on a lot of these characters. Yeah. Oh, and the girl they have cast uh, for Death, she was so sweet. Death was perfect. Yes. Um, They're all really, really good. Like, the. Yeah. uh, the casting oh, the, on all of them is the, pretty solid. Rose's friends who live in the B and B, like they were all amazing. Yeah, I need to know. I, I it's been so long since I've read them. I need to know more about Ken and Barbie. Uh, and the they the, Barbie shows up in uh, a later book. Yeah, uh, Game of You, right? Game of, yeah, which I think yeah, is I my to... it, that might actually be my least favorite of the storylines. 
but I need to reread the, all the books again after we finish watching it. I'm just because I read it, but it's been a while and I've read it multiple times, but it's been a while. So my memory is kind of iffy on a lot of it. But I've just been enjoying the fact that I don't remember. It makes it more fun to watch because you don't know what's going to happen all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's familiar, but new at the same time. Yeah. I love I love Cain and Abel. I love um, who else? I mean, they're all good. Death. Um, uh, 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 what's her? Uh, what's uh, the sibling? Uh, is not desire. Desire. Yeah, it's desire. Yeah. Uh, desire are, and despair. They are. Oh, yeah. despair was great too. I mean, it's just, it's just great. It's mm. just great and. <laughs> um, my only worry is that it's uh, Warner Brothers production, but it's not for HBO Max, so maybe they'll go it's ahead and make another It's for Netflix. Season. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that that's because, the only thing is uh, Neil Gaiman is taking such like firm control of everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's turning out so well that he's not letting people just do what they want with his property. Like, he was a, he was a writer in his twenties when the Sandman mm-hmm. came out. He was very young, so it's almost like he's gotten a chance to go back and edit his work now that he's a more mature writer. Yeah. And and he's yeah. ma- he he's I mean because the medium has changed, uh, he's changed the stories for the better. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I mean and you can't like, always compare an adaptation to the source material verbatim, right? Like, Things change just by changing mediums, like you were saying. I love, any of the more major changes have been, like, nothing has made me go, oh, it was so much better in the book. I love Jenna Coleman as Johanna Cassidy. Or Joanna yes. Constantine. Constantine. Yes. Constantine. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, like, to what you were saying with the he's been able to edit and stuff like that. Is like you know times have changed too since he wrote that because he yeah. was writing that in like the late eighties, early nineties. Oh yeah, and there's one little thing that like was in there, but at the same time that I'm like I'm I'm sort of glad they didn't reference it because he probably thinks a little differently on the subject, especially like in in the past like twenty years what we now know about mental health and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So when he's walking when dream is walking through uh, to hell and you see those trees that are made up, like kind of like people. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, well, in the book, it, they, uh, they make a distinct reference of that's the suicide forest. That's what, when uh. you commit suicide, that's what happens to you. Is, that wasn't invented by Neil Gaiman. That was invented. No. by. Yeah, that was in Dante's Inferno. It's Inferno. But it's something now that he gets to, like, now what we know about it, it's, you know, it's not quite as cool to to say that sort of stuff for obvious reasons. It's still there, and, like, as an image, but they they just don't make direct reference to it, which is still kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, like... There, the only thing, and it doesn't. I, I don't find it bad, and maybe it's now I've gotten used to it. But um, the Patton Oswald is Matthew. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like. 
I, I like it, but like it's just like there there is no mistaking who it is doing that voice. Oh no! And and, and every once in a while, it's like it's like it's just sort of like flat out Patton Oswalt. Yeah, who I like, but it's like it's one of those like uh, a friend of mine uh, and friend of the show, uh, Alex Kruger. He was mentioning that was one of the only things he didn't like in the casting. Like he was okay with it. But he kind of felt that it maybe somebody else would have been better because for him, every time he talked, it kind of pulled him out of the show a little uh, bit. It's, and it's like it's an argument I can kind of understand at any rate. Is like he like, is he hearing Modoc when he's seeing Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> uh, another show that's not getting another season. <laughs> Alrighty, so yeah. That that's uh, it for all this sort of stuff. Kind of a small week this week, but uh, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do some geek picks and then some shout outs. Who wants to go first with your geek pick? Well, I can if nobody else is ready. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks came back uh, last week and uh, episode two dropped uh, today as we record this. And uh, I am loving it. It is still uh, the best sort of fun-loving tribute to classic Star Trek stories that you can get. It's very funny and yet also very Star Trek. So um, I'm very excited that there are eight more episodes of Lower Decks before the season ends. Yeah, we got to get those seasons off of somebody. Yeah. We watched the first one, but we haven't seen anything since then. That's quite funny. We learned that Brad Boimler colors his hair. Purple is not his natural hair color. <laughs> Did you know there's a comic good. coming out? Have we talked about that? I believe I did know that. And uh, uh, Mr. J. Fosgett's doing some of the covers. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. That'll be good. Yeah, the, yeah he's the- showing up in a bunch of stuff that we like. He did a, a backup story in the latest issue of Damage Control, too. Mm. Good for him. Great. The first issue of that okay. new Picard comic came out this week, Kev. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I may have to take a look. Who's next? Who pick? wants to go next? I can go next. Alrighty. Uh, I also, I'm using a comic book this week. Um, Brent and I were tri- were promoting this one on our video this week when uh, when we did it on Tuesday night. It's the Fantastic Four Full Circle by Alex Ross, and it Ooh. is a big, beautiful book. Um, yeah, it's an oversized comic. It's not super thick. Like this is standard. You know, you get a decent story out of it, um, but it's. Beautifully drawn. It's Alex Ross channeling Kirby, Jack Kirby. Wow. And the colors in it are like psychedelic. This, yeah. It's some really cool like two-page spreads and just some really cool artwork in it. Um, even if you're not a giant Fantastic Four fan, um, but if you're a fan of Alex Ross or Jack Kirby, then this is something you should you should check out. So, I yeah. uh, completely agree with that. Um, uh, and I'm not a Fantastic Four fan. Uh, it, the the cool thing about it is, is like Alex Ross is stepping a little out of his comfort zone and he's like killing it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like it's not the the coloring is way different. It's not his traditional pencils. It's very much going oh. back to like 
the sixties, like look of like the, the Kirby books, but it's, it just, it works so, so well. And I've been, uh, I've been selling that book really well too, because, uh, we only have three copies left at the store. We might have wow. to get some more. Yeah. I, been as uh, I'm, as we sit here, uh, somebody messaged into the store at, on uh, Facebook and wanted another copy. Mm. Or wanted a copy. They hadn't gotten one yet. Mm. So, Cool. Jen? So I just finished uh, listening to a book called Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Su Lin Tan. Um, apparently it's the first of a duology, so dang, dang it, now i got to wait for the second one to come out. So... This is a it's a very lovely book and I listened to it, uh, which is nice because it's um, a fantasy book that's inspired by the legend of Chang Yi, the Chinese moon goddess. And it is based largely in a lot of it's got a lot of Chinese mythology. Um, and um, honestly, because I don't know any Chinese, it was it's very difficult to pronounce some of these names. So it was nice to listen to it because then I got the pronunciation down. <laughs> so it's about um, the daughter of the moon goddess. So in the mythology, Changi, uh, and I don't know if this is actually the Chinese myth or not, or if this is part of the, the book, but in the book, uh, the moon goddess was a mortal woman who drank the elixir of immortality that was supposed to go to her husband uh, but she drank it for reasons that are revealed in the book and ended up being imprisoned on the moon as the moon goddess. So her job now that she's an immortal was to light the moon every night. Um, so she raised her daughter. She she gave birth and raised her daughter in secret. So her daughter grew up in a, as an immortal. And then um, the, pers- the, the celestial emperor was the one who imprisoned her there for stealing the elixir. And... Uh, it comes to pass that uh, the daughter, Xing, uh, oh my goodness, Xingyin, I think is how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, she grows up and she leaves the moon to try to figure out how to free her mother from her imprisonment. And um, it's a really nice, it's a, a good adventure. There's some romance, there's a lot of magic. Um, it's a lot of beautiful mythology and storytelling. Uh, it was a red, I didn't write down who, who was the one who was narrating the audiobook, but she did an excellent job. Um, and I really quite enjoyed it. I found, <laughs> I find myself when I'm listening to audiobooks as I'm driving to and from work, uh, when the, the character, especially if it's in the first person asks themselves questions, <laughs> I answer, it's like, should I trust so-and-so? And I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> so I that's how you know I got really into these books. So I found myself doing it with this one and um I'm really now got to figure out when the second one's going to come out and hopefully it's not too too long um because then I'll forget what happened in this one. But it was published in January of this year so I may have a little bit to wait. Uh so yeah, I highly recommend you read or listen to Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Lin Tan. Uh, and this was actually her debut novel. She's, uh, I believe, a Malaysian, yeah, born in Malaysia. Um, and this is her first novel, and it is excellent. So, yes, go read that. That was my geek pick. Go for it, Brent. Well, uh, Ryan actually took what I was going for. <laughs> uh, 
Because that Fantastic uh-huh. Four book is so good. Like, I, you I'm can not share a, a geek Four. pick. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, that Fantastic Four book was like, I'm not a Fantastic Four guy. And it like blew me out of the water. Mm. Like, and then, like, one of the nice little things in it is the dust jacket. Um, Ross has painted the origin of the Fantastic Four on the flap on the dust jacket. So even if, like, you haven't, you, you didn't know anything about them, you get an update there. It's the, the other interesting thing about it is it's uh, not a Marvel book. It's, it's published by a company called Abrams, which uh, has licensed the Fantastic Four from them for this graphic novel. So that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> My uh, my uh, other geek pick this week is uh, the action figure that I picked up from uh, from uh, Fan Expo, uh, the GI Joe Classifieds version of Barbecue. Uh, it is a figure that I like. Ah, I don't need that until I saw it <laughs> at Ed Snowhawk Cosplays place. And, and if like, you're not into GI Joe, Barbecue is a person, not a barbecue. Yes. <laughs> In fact, even if you are, we ran into Ed and, he, and we we're talking like, I got a $45 barbecue. And he, he like looked at me and for a minute like, oh, the figure. Yeah. Brent, Brent messaged me. He's like, I got a G.I. Joe barbecue. And I was like, they make accessories like barbecues for G.I. Joe. <laughs> yes. It's not Barbie. Barbie dream house. Maybe that would help. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway. yeah, it's some really cool looking figure for a guy who's like the firefighter of the G.I. Joe's or one of the firefighters. So, yeah. yeah. With his outfit um, on, and his name, you would totally think he's like a part of Cobra. Or if he like think he's at least the G.I. Joe that uses a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> but nope. Um, with that, uh, before we go, Patreon shoutouts. If you would like to uh, help us out with the show, uh, three bucks a month gets you a little bit of extra content. Not a huge amount, but a little bit. And it is uh, helps us keep the lights on here, you know, pay for stuff like uh, hosting and our theme song and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, I have the uh, the list up in front of me. Did anybody else want to do it, or uh, should I go ahead? You've got the list up in front of you. Go for it. All right. So uh, thanks to our patrons, Drew, Karina, Rhino Vision, Alex James, Team Woods, also the wonderful folks behind our website, uh, truenorthnerds.com, which is just got left you to the various things that we do uh, mike hammond gavin and rex and also with rex uh hope you're feeling much better we won't get into it much beyond that but uh rex has been under the weather so i hope you're Picked doing well by the time you hear this you're probably fine yeah so uh, yeah i to be fair i talked to him the other day and he was doing good but uh, we we like all our patrons and and our friends and and it's good to hear that uh, 
one of our friends is doing better, but uh, even still, hope you're feeling better, much better by the time you hear this. Hope you're not completely out of the woods. Um, on that note, uh, Kevin, where can people find you? Well, I just released a brand new episode of Galaxy Class, the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast, where we did a convention recap because two of our two of our co-hosts went to the big unofficial Star Trek convention in Las Vegas this past weekend. So I interviewed Amy and Rhea about how that went. Uh, you can also find me on Stage Whispers, the local theater podcast, uh, because we just released our newest news episode of that. And um, you might find me clowning around in a backyard somewhere or at a church picnic or wherever people will hire me. So if you want to clown for your birthday party, let me know. Get in touch. <laughs> I have a certificate that says I'm trained now in everything. Ooh. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> it is. Jen, what All about right. you? Um, well, same old, same old. You can find mm. me... Uh, I, I and I remember to I update the True North Nerds Instagram. Um, I can't get into the Sailor Snacking Instagram because I got a new phone and now it doesn't want me to let me in. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, I can't even get in to change the passwords. So, uh, and of course, if you want to see what I've been collecting, uh, you can always go to my Instagram at Dolls and Ponies. Uh, been more dolls than ponies lately. I should probably take some pictures of my ponies, but I mean, to be honest, I've been buying more Barbies than ponies lately. So, hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's where you could find me. Nice. How about you, Brent? Um, I'm just doing the show at the moment, so you can find me here. Uh, also, uh, did an episode recently of the Kings of Sport podcast with our good friend Nate Milton and uh, the professor Chris Ely. I, I'm not sure if it's out. I don't think it's out on their podcast stream yet. Um, cause like us, they have day jobs, except there's less of them. So sometimes ed- episodes take a little bit longer to edit. Um, but they, uh, do have a YouTube video of it up so you can see my smiling face, smile and nod, talk about football. <laughs> and then <laughs> we get into the stuff that I actually know things about. So Yay, sports ball. It was fun though. I, I I love podcasting with Nate. Um, I have figured out a possible idea of having both those gentlemen on a, a future episode of Excellent. our show, but I have to talk to them about it. So uh, yeah, uh, so there's that. And then uh, there's also Ryan. Where can everybody find you, Ryan? Well, you can find. Uh, Sorry, myself. I'm just gonna dry spot my throat. Uh, you can find me and Ed uh, talking toys every month uh, here on the channel on Tales from the Collectorverse. Uh, we haven't gotten around to recording this month's episode. We're waiting until after Fan Expo, and uh, well, life's gotten in the way. We'll be recording that, uh, and it'll be out probably this week, following this episode uh, you're listening to right now. And then you can also find uh, find us on Tales from Collectorverse on Instagram, where we post uh, videos and photos of our latest purchases. You can see my new lightsaber there. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for this episode. Uh, we shall return in two weeks with another episode. What will we be talking about? Well, you'll have to tune in and find out because we're probably not quite sure yet. Well, I think in two in two weeks' time we'll have had Disney Plus Day and Star Trek Day, so there'll be there'll be news. 
News. News. Yep. And by that point, uh, Andor out yet? Nope. So, uh, Mid September, isn't it? Yeah, it's the twenty first, I think. Uh, so no. yeah, so we'll probably be a little early for Andor. Yep. So alrighty. Um, hopefully uh, you'll come back, and uh, hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Until next time, we'll uh, see you later. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. 